Welcome to the name game. Workout number 131 is Dear Dave. Four time with a 15 minute cap. One to 10, the ring dip and overhead squat at 115.85. So the sequence will go one ring dip, one overhead squat, two ring dips, two overhead squats, three, three, four, four, all the way up to 10. You must start and end each ring dip in the lockout position and athletes are encouraged to use low rings, however their feet may not touch the floor. For the overhead squat, a squat snatch is allowed for the first rep, provided the athlete meets depth, however it is not required. What's your strategy? Uh, move steady throughout the entire workout. Um, don't go too crazy in the beginning, just so I can last throughout the end. Sweet, we'll leave it at that. I can't even walk now. That's not what we want. Three, two, one, go. And we're off. So this workout's a bit of a nod to Dave Castro because he was a big fan of the, the one to 10 type rep schemes as well as uh, he got a lot of flack in the one uh, regionals workout for programming ring dips because a lot of people uh, tore their pecs doing it. <laughs> but uh, in our defense for programming this workout, or my defense, uh, this is a very different workout than that. That was like a 21-15-9 fast workout where it was really long straps and a high cycle speed, which is, you know, kind of open a lot more people up for injury, where this is a little bit more of a grinder and we want people doing it on low rings. So it's a, the risk definitely goes down there. So how do you guys think about pro, uh, like a, uh, you know, basically controlling your pacing on like a one to 10 type workout like this. Day, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first on this one. So with, in general, with a one to 10, like I'm thinking about at what point is it going to be super fatiguing? So obviously, you know, that lower rep scheme is going to be feel pretty good. Most people could go through that pretty quickly. And I know like, for someone like me, I'd burn myself out real quick on that if like I go in there with no strategy. But knowing that like once you get towards the upper end, all the accumulated volume, um, and then the bigger sets, and now you're under fatigue, kind of having a strategy for that. So that's where I would have a plan with if you're gonna break it up, how you're gonna break it up and at what point. Um, because you could get away with not breaking it up, obviously, in the first few rounds. Um, especially for a movement like this where it's like the ring dips, doing singles, doubles, triples are going to feel good, but some people are going to get pretty fatigued, their triceps especially, um, towards the upper end of that region. You have to know where your limit is with that. And if someone um, overheads, like overhead squats is their limiter, then knowing at what point are they going to need to start breaking it up and how they're going to break it up. Yeah, I mean, obviously with those couplets, I mean – they're going to have some sort of interference between the two. And like, in this case, it's like, yeah, it's tricep and like shoulder stability. Uh, but still like, you're going to have one of those two movements. That's probably presenting more of the challenge for you as an athlete, depending on what your strengths and weaknesses are. So basing your strategy on that obviously is going to make sense. What do you, how would you think about it, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but personally I've, I have approached workouts like this smartly yet in the middle of a workout gotten to like rep scheme five and thought like okay i'm doing good and then it's like i'm actually really not halfway done like i didn't 
not even close. And so remembering that is is super important. Um, and then limiting transition times the best you can. Now in a workout like this, it's tough, right? Because like you mentioned, you're going to get interference and you're starting to see Chris really feel some of that interference where you could be moving real smooth and then just hit like this this wall. Um, and with the two movements, like a ring dip and an overhead squat, it's not like a burpee where you can, can if you hit true muscle fatigue, like you're going to have to rest, right? And so, you know, I could be wrong on this, but I could anticipate people who maybe um, don't have the local muscle endurance in their triceps, their chest, and their shoulders hit a point in the workout where they're like, oh man, I got to sit and hang out for a second. And then by the end, you're really not breathing that hard because it's like you just couldn't hold the movements. Um, but for folks who have maybe better endurance in, in those muscle groups, you know, keeping the transitions consistent and smooth is going to be super important, um, especially because in the front half, there's so many of them um, that you could lose a lot of time if you linger there. Yeah, in my mind, this is almost like one of those workouts where like you can't really go hard, <laughs> like almost the entire time, <laughs> like until like yeah. the last like rep <laughs> of like your ring tips, you can't really go hard. Where it's like you're you're just kind of like waiting around those first couple rounds and like kind of you know feeling the workout out, kind of you know just smoothly transitioning back and forth, and you're trying to manage your fatigue. As soon as you get like one of those grindy reps, like similar to like a handstand push up, you stop right after that one, or hopefully optimally before that one. And you kind of rest a second. You have, I mean, you have to be super smart and like diligent about these types of workouts because it's really easy to like, when you feel good, go out guns a blazing and then regret it when you're at minute, you know, at rounds seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, which, which really like through seven is basically the halfway point in terms of volume. So you're getting half of your work in eight, nine, ten. 10. So that just kind of helps. I've always thought about that for like those one to 10 type workouts. Like, okay, the majority of the work is in those last three rounds. Yeah. And it's important to remember because it's really easy to get caught in the trap of thinking you are halfway done by the time you hit five or six. And then it's, like you said, you're really not done until you're done. You're really not halfway through until you're done with the round of seven. Right. Yeah, and one of the things you're going to see between the the highest level athletes and most people that you see doing this workout is just like the speed of the reps. And that's one of the things that will start to separate people. And also like not just separate them in terms of like, they're able to keep doing the work, but then the work is so much less costly. Like we're Chris and I were talking about this before with like double unders, like double unders. If you do them quickly, it's like double payout because you get them done quicker and you also didn't jump as high. So you're less tired. And it's like, to a certain extent, that's the case with some of these movements where like if you can move through them really quickly and move through the range of motion quickly, no, you know, delayed lockouts and that sort of thing. If you have the capacity to do that, then it's going to pay off big time versus doing a rep like that. Sorry, Chris, but <laughs> they were pretty good up till that point. That one looked uh, costly. And a lot, I feel like a lot of that, Ben, is like, especially true for movements that can be like 
super local locally taxing so oh, yeah. like the yep. ring dip or a wall walk or something like that versus like a bar facing burpee or a row or something like that yep. it's like those movements you know the ones that are very very local it's like no no, no we want to limit time under tension and although it's like you don't want to go in the other movements it's like okay smooth is fast you know keep your heart rate down for as long as you can with that other stuff, it's like, I'm going to sacrifice maybe my heart rate jumping a little bit because if I hang up here for an extra 20 seconds, like come the end of the workout, I- I'm probably not going to have any juice left if I continue to do that over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I think it's important, especially on those first couple rounds to, if you can move quickly on the ring dips to do so. Yeah. It's tough because it is one of those movements and now these are moving better again, again for Chris. Uh, so you, you do recharge to a certain extent, but I think it is just trying to minimize the amount of uh, those grindy reps that you have. Um, Dave, have you done like many like kipping ring dips? Not many kipping, no. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one of the things if I was uh, advising Chris, if, for example, on like a redo, um, just and again, it's tough on a type of workout like this because you're not going to practice for 15 minutes before you go into it. <laughs> but like uh, learning how to kip a ring dip is something that when it's in isolation like this and like not like a top of like a ring muscle up or something, it's a it's kind of an awkward. It's not the same as like most other kips. Have you taught people that at all, Chris? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one of the movements where, for, for me, most of the people I'm working on kipping ring dips with are people who need to get muscle-ups. Um, this is not a movement that we see a ton. So, like, for example, if this was a name game workout, I might take, y'all probably take the time and be like, all right, let's work on some kipping ring dips. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, if I have someone who needs to add 25 pounds to their snatch to be competitive like you know we're gonna put the bulk of our time in that right we're probably gonna see something in that realm way more frequently than a kipping ring dip yeah um however i think it's something where if someone is proficient in in other things learning how to do so it, it could could be super helpful yeah yeah i mean i feel like most of the time there's someone who has like if they don't have a muscle up, I'm like, just kind of continue to develop the strict strength almost. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if it feels like a qualifier setting or something. It'd be like, all right, let's, let's try to learn this to get your best score. For sure. But, for but sure. For, 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 but for training purposes, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, just continue to work on your strict strength as long as possible. And that's going to have carryover to a ring muscle up, which you're going to see, you know, probably 50x as often as a, like a kipping ring day. <laughs> I mean, maybe even more than that, frankly, like in a qualifier. Like, how many qualifiers have you ever seen with a kipping ring dip? I've never seen one. I've never done one, so. Yeah, whereas like bar muscle up or ring muscle up, you're literally going to see that. Sometimes both of those movements in like majority of like a higher level qualifier. So, anyway. There was one year I did a Wadapalooza qualifier, and I had to do a, a workout with ring muscle ups that had 30 muscle ups in the workout three times in like four or five days. <laughs> So, yeah, way more frequency there than the kipping ring dip. <laughs> and that wasn't including your warm-ups. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I probably did like 100-plus ring muscle-ups in, in like a five-day span. Yeah. 
So Dave, if you have a workout like this and it's like super muscularly taxing and like you're, you don't want to like do like way more like ring dips before you go do ring dips. Like to a certain extent <laughs> you have to get ready to do it. But like, like in a scenario like that where it's like, okay, I don't want to do, you know, 15 ring muscle ups before I go do a ring muscle up workout. Like how do you think about, like how should people think about prepping for a workout like this? That's where I would probably do like drills kind of like get into the movement so break it up in parts do some low ring turnover drills just get like that movement going think about like all the all the parts you're going to use right so like you want to hit your delts you want to warm up your delts you want to warm up your triceps like let's say if you're doing those strict ring muscle ups then i'd do some like turnover drills i'd do some like banded tricep extensions try to open up my chest um, with some openers or something like that, some active mobility there. So I would try to focus on like more opening up of those, like what you're going to be using and then kind of mimic the movement, but not do it, the movement like at a high volume, right? So if you if you know you're going to go into something, you're trying to preserve as much energy, then kind of modify the, like work on mobilizing those muscles and then do the modifications of that movement um, so that you're ready for it. And then you do one or two reps, but yeah, definitely don't tax yourself there. It's easy to, it's like people who go in for like a one rep max on like a back squat or something and then end up like fatiguing themselves with all these like working sets up to that. That's my favorite. When it's like, <laughs> hey guys, we're building to a five rep max today. So everyone just does <laughs> sets of five the whole time. Yeah. Like, bro, I'd be so tired. What are you doing? <laughs> You're like, well, I did it. Uh, yeah, I said it 90% of what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even walk now. Like their yeah. last set to that five rep max is like at 80%, which is yeah. like already 83 or something like that. It's like you're already basically there. I just yeah. envision like that scene from Anchorman. Like they get done with their last set and they're like, I don't know if you're counting, but I did over a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay that's not what we want <laughs> uh, yeah so true so you can see chris is really fighting for these last reps and uh fight chris take out those arms yeah and that was i mean at least for me i feel like tricep isn't gonna like i'm not gonna fail an overhead squat probably because like my my triceps are gone but it will – it's more so like holding the bar over your head would actually impact the ring dip than it would the other way around. I could see – maybe not you because Super Ben, he's so great. But like I could see like a tricep like cramping while holding the bar overhead. Yeah. Yeah, more like that kind of stuff where like your shoulders start to go because your arms are so wobbly. Like you start to like transfer. Yeah. Yep. And that, I think that's kind of wobble over yeah. Good job, Chris. So, how was it? It was good to the eighth round. Everything else was gravy and then eight hit, and that's where it became real. Yeah, it's like through seven, you're through like half of the reps pretty much. Oh, that would make a lot more sense then. Yeah. Yeah, when you get the eight, like, it starts to hurt your shoulders, and then the same thing you need to hold overhead squats is the same thing that ring dips uh, make tired. Yeah. So it just becomes hard to hold on. Was it just like that lockout of the dip that was the main thing? 
Yeah, just your shoulders start to ache and it hurts and then it becomes hard to hold in a lockout and you're like, am I gonna fail this? Drop it on my head. What, what's gonna happen? Good work. Alrighty folks, it's that time. Be sure to submit your scores to the leaderboard at zorfitness.com TNG. You're more than welcome to share this and take it on with some friends and best of luck on the workout.